Welcome to another edition of We Need to Talk About Movies. Brought to you by Banterflix.com. And now, here's your host, Jim McLean. Hello, hello, hello. Yes, I am indeed your host, Jim McLean, the editor-in-chief of the Banterflix Movie Review website. Welcome to the latest episode of We Need to Talk About Movies. If this is your first time checking out the show, then welcome to the madness, dear listener. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, though, thank you for continuing to support the show. For the uninitiated, the clue is in the title. Each week we talk about a movie. Might be a new release, might be a cult classic, might be a film you've never heard of before. I gather together some contributors and we have a chat about the film. Sometimes we get a bit spoilerific, sometimes we just simply struggle to stay on topic. But we try to have a bit of fun in the process and I hope you enjoy listening to it. This week is the start of something new. It's a new series that's been curated by our resident Disney queen, local writer Victoria Brown. She's a huge Disney fan and as part of this series we're going to be taking a look back at some of the animated films within the House of Mouse's back catalogue, particularly those titles that fall within what's dubbed the Dark Age for the studio. We're kicking it off by talking about the Aristocats. I will apologise. I will spend most of this podcast referring to the film as the Aristocrats. That says more about me than anything. But on this podcast, I'll be joined by Victoria Brown, who I said is curating this series, and Aristocats superfan Harriet Budd. Harriet was on our TV show during the lockdown early this year, and she spoke quite passionately about her love for the film, so we felt it only right that she come on and share that love on this podcast. But before we get into this week's episode, let's play a clip of the film. Anyone for breakfast? What breakfast? Where is it? Right under that magic carpet. But now we have to cook up a little spell. You know. You ready? All right. First, to make the magic begin, you wiggle your nose and tickle your chin. Now you close your eyes and cross your heart. Then presto, breakfast a la carte. Mr. O'Malley, you are amazing. True. True. So that's a clip of The Aristocrats, and we're kicking off this new series as we look back at the dark age of Disney's animated classics. And joining me, as I said in my introduction, is our very own Disney queen and international woman of mystery, Victoria Brown. Hello. Hello, Victoria. I know you won't tell us, but what exciting things have you been up to as a frontline worker during this pandemic? Same old, same old. Serving people toilet roll that they don't need. <laughs> serving essential items like cigarettes. You know, nothing new. Figs and booze. That's all people need to get oh, yeah. through this pandemic. And Figs, booze and the Daily Mail. <laughs> no, let's not bring the Daily Mail into this. Let's... <laughs> You know, it could be worse. People could be picking up the Daily Sport. I don't even know if the Daily Sport is still a oh, thing. Yeah. Oh, this is just me showing my age now. I'll this'll this will <laughs> be Apologies. something we could 
this is something we can discuss, Victoria, at a later date outside of the podcast setting. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. Harriet's got a smile. I don't know if that's a knowing smile. I know, listeners, you can't see this because it's an audio medium. So I'm not sure if Harriet, uh, are you aware of the Daily Sport, what it is? No, but I do have to admit, I do read the Daily Mail, like just for the showbiz. And like everyone is always disgusted, but like I've got my mum and everything in on it. So she's, like she's got the app, I've got the app. I'm on it about five times a day. I love it. Like I know okay. it's rubbish, but I love it. That's okay. It's weird that the Daily Mail has such an extensive entertainment kind of a lot. Of, there's, there's loads of it on the website, uh, which is weird because when you Google stuff, most of the times top of the bill, top of the bill is the Daily Mail, but it's not a newspaper I would buy. But as we always say, that is a place for politics. This is not the normal realm for Banderflix. Listeners, you will have just heard our other guest making her podcast debut. She's been on the television show in the lockdown format a while ago. And the reason why we have Harriet Budd on this podcast is because she is an aristocrat's, I can never say it, is because she is an aristocrat's super fan. So hello to you, Harriet. Hello. How are you? How is the, I know we're in the kind of not quite lockdown, lockdown. I know for us anyway, here at Bantry HQ, our postcode, we're back under lockdown. I'm assuming you are under lockdown as well. So how have you been holding up recently and how have you found yourself during the kind of pandemic overall? Um, it was a bit strange. Um, I mean, everybody was sort of saying, oh, it's, you know, it's fabulous being off work and everything, but it did get a bit sort of tedious towards the end. So I'm glad that I'm back. I went back. I work in an office. So I went back about the start of July and it's been absolutely crazy. Like we have been flat out every day. So it's been good. And I've sort of done a bit of like bits and pieces around the house and stuff, but that's really about it. So, but I am, I'm glad to try and get back to some sort of level of normality it's it's been strange but yeah i think we're getting there and you also and whether this is relevant to this podcast because you are planning a wedding as well oh um, congratulations thank you look i mean connor my partner key has done 99.9 percent .9 of everything you, I mean, you don't tell him that harriet you don't tell him no, that. <laughs> but he really he really has it i have i have organized the cars and um the transport and the flowers and the cake and that's it like that's like nothing he's done everything those else. are the most important things to a wedding right we all know exactly. these things you know Thank at, you. at my wedding i planned the band the cake and the suits but my wife had the seal of approval on the suits <laughs> but the cake and the band were all mine and i kind of went those are the two most important things people will remember those just one of the three things people will remember from a, a wedding the bride's dress was the cake good was it moist? Sorry, listeners. And <laughs> was the band any good? So we got, I got two of those and right. I came away from those successfully. So don't you let Connor take off all the, all the glory. Those are important things, Harriet. But uh, as we said, you are an aristocrat's super fan. You record a little piece for the TV show about your love for it. So just for any of our listeners who's never seen it, I know that it's now available on Disney Plus's streaming service. Tell them a little bit about what is The Aristocrats all about? So basically it follows um, the life of these four cats. So there's the mum called Duchess and then like her three little kittens. And they live with this really old, really like super rich woman in Paris in like 1910. And she decides that she's going to leave her entire estate to these four cats. And obviously, like, you know, her um, her butler, Edgar, is obviously absolutely disgusted and decides that he's, like, going to take everything in his own hands. So he 
um, kidnaps the cats, dumps them like at the side of this road, and then they have to obviously try and make their way back to their duchess, or sorry, to their um, the woman that owns them. But basically, then they come across all these other cats. They come across um, like Scat Cat. They come across obviously Thomas O'Malley. Um, and then they basically just try and find their way back to, you know, their home. So it's brilliant. Like it's such a such a good movie. Okay. Well, we've definitely got a a clear indication of your love for the aristocrats. <laughs> So this is the point then, Victoria, as I mentioned in my introduction, and you've also recorded, which was, you've recorded a special podcast, which was out a few weeks ago now, but why specifically are we talking about the aristocrats? Why are we kicking off here and this film from 1970? Well, up until 1970, Disney had been very, very strong. After Snow White, they had hit after hit after hit. But once you get to about the late 1960s, there is a definite decline in the art quality. And it's very noticeable. And then in 1966, Walt Disney passes away. And you can tell the, the studio just, I'm sorry, <laughs> the studio did go downhill from there. Yeah. And it's, the, the decline is quite noticeable. It's not even a decline in the sense of like that it's bad. It's just, it's a very different style from when Walt Disney passed away. If, if I'm right, Victoria, can I just jump mm. in? If I'm right, Victoria, is is the Aristocrats one of the first few that wasn't hand drawn? There was a change in the art. If I'm right in my basic understanding, I know there still would have been something, but there is a noticeable artwork change. I think with particularly the Disney films around this era. Yes, there is a difference. Um, after Sleeping Beauty, which had cost them a lot of money and lost them a lot of money. They basically had to cut corners, so they brought in Xeroxing, which is like a way of photocopying. If the word Xerox is familiar, it's, do you know the girl in Friends that Ross cheats on Rachel with? That's her job, she photocopies. She's the Xerox girl. Excuse um, me, Victoria, this is meant to be a Disney <laughs> podcast. You've already, went off, you've already went off on a tangent. I'm going to stick up for my bro, Ross. They were on a break. Oh, we can always talk about, I, I agree, they were on a break. Um, <laughs> they, they were on a break. Um, where was it? Um, I, Xeroxing. They used it to cut corners because it saved the animators time because they didn't have to draw everything from scratch every time. But you can you can tell because the characters look really rough and defined and the backgrounds are very it's not again, it's not that they're bad, but they're not as defined as the front what you're seeing in the front, if that mm. makes sense. I know what you mean. I watched this recently ahead of this recording, and I have to say, whilst you can see there is a change in the artwork. I think it still holds up really well. Like watching this, I recently bought a new TV, new HD TV. How lush am I? How you know well is everything going for the life of Bantaflix when I can afford an all right <laughs> TV? And I still think though, was it maybe doesn't look as timeless as say some of the older the like the likes of Cinderella, Stephen Beauty that you've mentioned. I still think this film stands the test of time now. I get a sense maybe you're not as big a fan of the, maybe I'm wrong, Victoria, of the aristocrats as Harriet is. So before I let you kind of possibly make Harriet cry, and we don't want that to happen, <laughs> but Harriet, yeah. just for you, what is it about? You, you kind of, as we mentioned, you were setting this up there for the aristocrats and the love you have for that film comes through when you're talking about. So what is it about the aristocrats? that you love, that you find for yourself personally so timeless? 
I think it's maybe like a mix of like the music is just amazing. Like it's it's just fantastic. Like there's just like belter after belter. But I don't know. Like I think it just reminds me of being a kid, and it was just my obsession. Like I was just obsessed with this movie, and I just would have watched it on repeat. And I I love cats. That probably helps. But um, yeah, I just think it's great. And I, I know what you mean. Like, yes, maybe the artwork and stuff maybe isn't as, you know, as defined as the others. But to me, like, it just doesn't matter. Like, I, I love it. So I'm obviously a woman of simple taste, but I think it's a great movie. No, there's there's not a thing to be to be wrong up there. I mean, if you enjoy something, why why not take pleasure from it? I have to admit, I have a lot of love for the aristocrats from when I was younger. Like, you, I love cats. I grew up with cats pretty much all around the house, cats and dogs. And I I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before. I don't know if either of you remember these, but I have a very vivid memory of having the, the books. I know they wouldn't have been released around the time, but basically the, a book, the, an animated book, well, a, a, book, a, a picture book, basically, which told the story of the aristocrats. And I have that. So I don't know where it is because I kept, I kept a lot of my books from when I was younger for that, that one time when I eventually have children that I have books that I can read them to at night. Oh, I know. But <laughs> I, I have a vivid memory of my love. I don't know whether I read that first or watched the, the cartoon. I can't remember. It's just that thing. But it is etched in my head. And I do, I think also the big thing I have to say at this point is my parents, one of their, they, they talk about this, one of their, they, they remember going to see the aristocrats at the cinema in Belfast. So you come through that when your parents sit and say, right, we're going to watch The Aristocrats. And, oh, I remember Brian and I, we went to see this at the cinema. And then you form that kind of nostalgia through it. So I do have a lot of love for it. But I will say this, I don't think when you put it on the grand scheme of Disney's back catalogue, I don't think there's anything about it that really stands up maybe beyond, as you mentioned, Harriet, some of the songs, but I do want to come back to some of the songs because I know there's issues with a few of them anyway. But Victoria, maybe I picked you up wrong, but are you not as big a fan of The Aristocrats as Harriet and myself? I don't think there's anybody that's as big a fan of The Aristocrats as Harriet. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to lie, it's, it's not in my top ten. But I do have fond memories of it. My childhood best friend, Nicola, who I mentioned on our Mulan episode, this was one of her favourites. Mm. So we would have watched it at her house a lot. <laughs> and like you said, a lot of the other Disney films are very timeless. This feels very 1970s, but I like that about it. It gives it mm -hmm. its own thing. It's its own thing. It's not just another Disney film. It's its own like little contained thing. And I really like that about it. I think if I'm right, this is the first kind of Parisian set Disney animated feature that is actually named as, that it's being in Paris. Uh, again, Victoria, you might correct me if I'm wrong on that, but no, it, it I is. Think you're right. I think it's very specifically like they open up and it is Paris. And I think there are Disney animated animated Disney films that in the past have been set in France, and it hasn't really said this is Paris. Although it's weird, I think Edgar still works in dollars, which is weird. He still can. <laughs> when you're thinking about it, it's like. That's a good point. All have different accents. Like one's French, one's English, one's American. Yep. But Harriet, this is where I look at this then as an adult, and you start to go, "Is I know Duchess is a single mother, but you know, <laughs> and and I don't want to go into spoilers too early at this stage, but you know, it's she's she's had three children, and by the end of this, you know, her owner is still like, we can have a few more. 
you know, it's we can we can have a few more here. I, you know, there's a couple of times where the you know Justice is trying to get trying to get off. Basically, he's trying oh, to get right. laid. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Where I'm gonna kind of this is where it's gonna get <laughs> weird. But this is me looking at this as a 37 year old now. You know, we have O'Malley. He's definitely he's kind of got the eye on Duchess. And uh, yeah, you know, three kids, three different accents. I think Duchess gets about. That's all I'm going to say, Harriet. And as well, he's such a flirt. Like, he's a real flirt in this movie. Mm -hmm. But, like, yeah. I don't know. I just think he's great. Like, I know he's just so sort of, I don't know, like, you sort of look at him and you're kind of like, oh, he looks like a dirty sort of stray cat. But I just think there's something very appealing about him as a cat. So, yeah, can sort of see the appeal, you know, that you probably, you know, like him. He's a bit sort of risque. Mm. And also, maybe this is me and my 37-year-old mind, and feel free, listeners, to judge me. Feel free, Harriet. Feel free, Victoria, to judge me. I was a bit kind of querying to myself, like, what is her owner? What does she do? I think she's a singer or something like that. But, you know, what's going on with her and her lawyer friend? That's all I want to say. You know, <laughs> this older lawyer who's, you know, he's offering some of the comic relief at the very start of this animation with kind of the way he's going up the stairs and I love how that's drawn whilst I was kind of making the comment about the the animation there is still so much going on in all and in, in all of the Walt Disney even the hand-drawn stuff there's stuff that especially when you see it now in HD you just see the amount of detail that went into I know kind of Victoria you were kind of query and kind of or being slightly down in the animation compared to some of the other earlier Disney but you still must admit that there is some lovely little attention, to little moments of attention to detail that are just lovely with a great attention to detail still within this animation. Of course there is. It's, it's a gorgeous wee film. It's very charming and it just, it feels very French. There's just something about the aesthetic that feels French, which I really like. Mm. Um, but it's hard for me personally not to compare it to something like Sleeping Beauty, which is like, the way they described it when they were making it is they wanted a living, breathing Renaissance painting. So to okay. compare that to what we have here, it's hard for me to separate the two in my mind, especially because Sleeping Beauty is one of my favourites. I agree with you. I mean, the original Disney's definitely have a more timeless quality, but I don't think, watching it last night, I don't think The Aristocrats has dated that terribly feel free to interject either of you i think maybe the only thing that's maybe a bit kind of on the nose for a kid's film is the stuff with the is that the uncle swan, the, the the goose the goose or swan yeah, yeah. thank goose. he's a bit of a drunkard and there's kind of some comments that you're like kind of going like oh okay that's a bit <laughs> risque there's a couple of stuff that o'malley says but you know what i love about this more than anything and it's particularly around this era of disney is that they recycled so many of the same voice actors. Mm -hmm. So I think, isn't it Phil Harris who voices O'Malley? He's also the voice yeah. of Blue and he's also the voice of Little John. We have Eva Gabor, who is also in probably my favourite Disney film, I'm going to be honest. And I know it's in this current dark era, this dark age that you mentioned, uh, Victoria, and that is The Rescuers, which I absolutely love. And uh, I know she's a voice in that as well. So I love that there's so mm. many familiar voices and there's just great voice actors working on this. Like, I think, isn't it? O'Malley's actually based. His appearance is actually, they tried to model it on Phil Harris, the actor himself, rather than... Yeah, yeah. It, was, um, it was a cross between, they wanted him to look like Phil Harris, but have like 
the suave of Clark Gable, which you can yeah. see, like, once you see, like, the flirtiness, you're like, yeah, that's definitely who, they're, who they modeled that on. But uh, there's, some, there's some great voice acting here. Like, we've got Sterling Holloway, who voiced the Cheshire Cat, Winnie the Pooh, Ka from The Jungle Book. And we have Bill Thompson playing Uncle Waldo. He was the White Rabbit in Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. And this was actually his last ever film. He died six months after this. Okay. So that's kind of sad. Because I know it's Morris, isn't it Morris Cavalier who does the song at the start? That was his last recording, the, the song, The Aristocat, which is just yeah. lovely. I, I, I think l- they, br- they brought him out of retirement for that. <laughs> As I said earlier, my parents have a lot of love for this film because it's one of the few times they went to the cinema together. And I think it was that and like Leading the Tramp. I think Leading the Tramp was the first film they ever saw together in the cinema. And this was Aww. one of the... My dad does not go to the cinema often or did not go to the cinema often because he smoked. Particularly when the smoking, you weren't allowed to smoke in the cinema. That meant that the last film mm-hmm. my dad went to see before he had a stroke many years ago was Home Alone 2. Home Alone 2. Oh, wow. was, was Home Alone 2 and then I actually since the stroke he goes to cinema more because I just take him and force him to go with us and <laughs> sometimes we see good stuff sometimes we see bad stuff so they have that love for this but there was something about watching this film and when you hear that music at the very start it's what I've often called a warm hug of a film it's just something you can and I'm, I can see you nodding Harriet so you clearly agree you are a fan so, so you're slightly biased but there is something about this that I think you can still throw on now. I don't think too much of it is outdated in terms of its gender politics. There's maybe a few racial stereotypes that I think we will have to to address at some point that are are clearly problematic. And I think, have they been edited out of this version that's on Disney? Because Disney do have a habit of removing things. Oh, has it not? Okay. Um, the, what they've done is they've put a little disclaimer at the start that says, mm-hmm. this program is presented as originally created. It may contain outdated cultural depictions. Okay. Um, there's, what it was, I think it was an interview with somebody, but they've said there's no way to cut out the very, very racist Chinese cat at any point without ruining that scene. Mm. But if you listen to the song on Spotify, they cut his bit out. Yeah. Which is good, but... Yeah. Yeah, that's a problematic part. <laughs> because I know when we think of that, I think when Lady and the Tramp was remade for Disney Plus, the the mm. Chinese characters from that were removed from completely. But it's right. weird. Like I mean, I know we're jumping here to Lady and the Tramp. Again, I'm thinking about my 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 parents love those two. My my mother adores that scene in Lady and the Tramp. So it's that sense of like you maybe at the time didn't view them as being outdated and terribly kind of I don't want to say they they are very they, there's no denying they are an outdated stereotype now when we look and you just wouldn't get away from that but um, yeah that that scene probably I, I get a sense Victoria that scene as they come to Paris and we have the everybody wants to be a cat. That's maybe where the, the film's maybe stereotypical kind of its portrayal problems maybe lie. Would, would that be, mm-hmm. yeah, would that be a thing for you? Yeah, but like obviously it's problematic and they have addressed that it contains outdated depictions, but I don't think it takes away from the film. And I think as long as you acknowledge that it was wrong then and it's wrong now, mm-hmm. like you can't watch it and not feel bad. Like my favorite 
Disney films Pocahontas, so I can't say anything about cultural deductions. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, this is this is true. Harry, like, I mean, Harry, is this something for you, who's someone who does love the film? Is this something that you, when you watch it, do you see it as being an issue? Yeah, but I, I have to think, like, over the years, obviously, growing up watching it, you were always sort of aware, like, you know, you can't you can't say those things, like, that's not right. Mm-hmm. But I, I sort of, then I, I sort of get to the point where I'm kind of like, are you, like, you can't, you know, you've got to sort of, you can't like rewrite history, you know, like that's part of a film and it's kind of like, you know, you have to sort of acknowledge it maybe that that's what it was then, which obviously is what they're doing now with the disclaimer and stuff. Yeah. And as I said, obviously they can't, they can't write that out, but it's kind of like, are you sort of going to just delete everything completely? And then like, where do you draw the line? Obviously it was completely inappropriate, mm-hmm. um, but it's sort of like then where do you draw the line? I don't know, Victoria, we've touched on this before with a lot of, previous podcast anytime we have you on do you do you think how the disclaimer is the best way then forward to just accept at the start of the film that there are some views here that are outdated do you think that's the best way going rather than trying to to cut and remove things to try and make them i suppose seem to be more palatable for 2020 viewers for viewers sorry in 2020 Mm, i I think it might be i mean I don't know, like I suppose sort of the films that you kind of, you know, you grow up with now, like, you know, the kids nowadays, they don't have to sort of have, you know, see all these sort of racial prejudice and stuff that obviously, like, say our parents grew up with. So I think it, you know, it probably is maybe the best way to, you know, sort of cover yourself. But I don't know, I suppose I just haven't really thought too much into it. Like, as you said, like Victoria, you know, with like Pocahontas and then where do you even begin there? Because the entire thing is like, yeah. completely made up inappropriate like it's you know like where do you even begin but i think yeah the disclaimer is probably it's, it's something it's probably a starting point mm. yeah I, I would agree because i know victoria we've touched on this before with films like gone with the wind you know mm-hmm. to remove something completely is, is not the answer but to at least acknowledge that there are certain elements of a film that are outdated that are no longer in 2020, no longer in 2020, deemed to be acceptable. And we've touched on that before. Now I have to admit now, whether or not I just missed it, I put this on on Disney Plus, and the only thing I saw was a, a warning about. I think it's references to tobacco. Right. I saw a little disclaimer at the top. I didn't notice unless I just missed it at the very start. Now I don't know. Uh, was it in Disney Plus where you saw that disclaimer? Yeah, like I've got it written down here, but. I have to go back and check now because that's going to annoy me. Because I remember the thing about the tobacco. Yeah. But don't yeah. don't don't go check it right now because we're in the middle of recording no, no, no. the podcast. <laughs> Leave that for a later time. But where do you think then? You, a big thing for this series of podcasts, Victoria, is is that you want to discuss this particular era of Disney. This is kind of the start of it with the aristocrats. It's the first film made after the passing of Walt Disney. I think was he. Was he involved in this project or is this, the, is this the last project he had some involvement with or is this the first project that was made completely without the approval or, or work or involvement of Walt Disney? No, he, he was involved in this. Um, the last film that he personally worked on with the animators was The Jungle Book in 67. But this, this has been in the works from, I think it was the late 50s, because initially yeah. it was going to be a two-part live action series yeah. for the TV show and the thought, that it might not work. So they started like shifting things about. They had a couple of the animators work on it for about 18 months. 
Um, one thing I did find interesting, the butler, Edgar, he was initially going to be played by Boris Karloff, and then we're going to have <laughs> him have a wife who was going to be played by Elsa Lanchester, who played the Bride of Frankenstein. So those two as villains would have been really, really cool. But well, for whatever reason, they decided not to go down that route. Um, yeah, Walt, Walt had approved the animated version, mm-hmm. but obviously he never got to see even any of the rough drawings, I don't think, because this was, what, four, four years after he died. So where do you play, like, you always look at a, a Disney film, I think, whether or not you, you guys agree with me or not, as in what preceded it and then what came after it. So before this, I think if I'm right, we had The Jungle Book, I think was yeah. the last Disney animated. And then after it, we had Robin Hood, I think was the next one. After this, I might After be, this one, yeah. Yeah, I might be, after The Aristocrats, we had Robin Hood. So where do we judge this? I mean, what kind of has moved on in the, I think, three or four years I think that we see from the Jungle Book to the Aristocrats, and then when we see, then what do we see then that Disney has clearly moved on with when we have with with the Robin Hood? Because those are three films I all have a lot of love for. I think they're all kind of very much seen now. Maybe while Victoria, let's not get in a fight with Harriet, isn't going to say that the Aristocrats isn't isn't in her top ten. But I think when you're a studio like Disney. I think you know that's that's always going to be a tough thing when you look at the amount of hits that they've had over the years to not be in a top ten. Out of curiosity, like, is it hitting your top twenty, Victoria? Um, haven't really thought beyond my top ten. It probably would be in my top twenty. Okay. Top fifteen. Yeah. Top fifteen. <laughs> probably not. Oh I'm sorry. Well, this is not good. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're not getting off on a good start here, Harriet, are we? <laughs> Quite upsetting. No, I, I'm. I have bad feelings about this. I, I actually don't like Sleeping Beauty. Like whenever really? that was your favorite, I was like, oh, I couldn't even watch that. I don't think I really. Could that oh, it's, it's in my. It's in my top three. So here's a question, then, Harriet. Right, what is it about a film like The Aristocrats that works for you, other than like saying earlier on that you love cats and you love the story? What about it works so well as opposed to something like Sleeping Beauty? I think it's like maybe the music, like. I love the Jungle Book. I the Jungle Book is fabulous, and I actually really enjoyed the you know the re, like it was a the, 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 a remake maybe mm-hmm. four maybe four years ago yeah something like that and Bill Murray like it had a really really good cast and I really really liked it but I think I think the music has a big part to do with it um yeah I, whereas I mean Sleeping Beauty doesn't even I couldn't even really tell you anything about Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> Yeah, well, you've got Maleficent in it. Yeah. Oh, see, and I didn't like that spell on that really scarred me if they redid it. Really? Well, yeah. I didn't like it. Well, the thing I, I, meant- I, I was a, gu- a guide leader, and we we had to take the kids. And oh I was God! Terrified. And I'm sitting there going, "You cannot show them that you're scarred." And I was just like, I couldn't even look at it. It was awful. <laughs> I actually left twice and pretend I need the toilet. I couldn't even be in the room. So was that your coping mechanism? That was your just. I'll, I'll just be like, I'm just going. I'm just going to the toilet. I've got a really bad bladder. I've got to go to the toilet. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I was like, I can't, I can't even be in here. And same, we actually took them to go see um, Coraline. They did the same because it scared me too. Oh, God. Yeah, it was scary. That is scary. Yeah, I didn't like it. So, yeah. um, but no, I, th- I think I just like something that's sort of like happy and nice. And I feel like there's not too sort of, there's not too many scary moments in the Aristocats. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably why I like it because you're not petrified, you know, and then you get to like sing some songs and it's, yeah, I just love it. It is a good gateway drug 
into Disney, I think, whether you'd vi- agree, Victoria. I think, as, as Harriet mentioned there, it's not got some of those really darker elements that we see. Because the one question I did want to ask before I come back to you on that question, Victoria, was in this period that we're specifically talking about, we see that Disney move away from the fairy tales. And I was just wondering, mm-hmm. was it that was it are, maybe just a quick is it a case that you aren't a fan, Harry, of that fairy tale aesthetic to Disney? Just kind of is, is that something maybe you aren't as big a fan of within Possibly. their back catalogue? Yeah, I mean, I didn't. Snow White. I used to have a reoccurring nightmare about Snow White, the witch in it. So you know that. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> yeah. So we we were moving house at the time, and I and I it's something that's moving house, and the witch was, and I just kept, I had this dream for years. I think yeah, maybe the I'm not big about the fairy tales. Um, I think that's probably got something to do with it. But I don't know. Look, I just like, and actually, whenever I was looking into this, the, I didn't realize this. The Aristocats is actually based on a true story. Mm-hmm. So this, I didn't realize that either. I was so shocked. Yeah, I, and I was like, who would actually leave their entire fortune to their cats? I love my cats, but I would not leave them anything like their cats. <laughs> no, I was is, just like, why, is that why? because <laughs> is that because Harriet, you don't trust your cats to how they'll spend your fortune? Do you think they'll have it all blown like on? Like in the first six months, on like I don't know, just excess drink, drugs, everything. You just not trust them. Sheba, yeah. Um, I don't know. I just I I couldn't believe that it actually was like this actually happened. I was like, people like that are just insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I would I leave any of my money to my dogs? No. But if I think if I had dogs, because I think that's the kind of the way they word it in the aristocrats or the aristocrats. Sorry, not. The Aristocats. That's the way I think they word it in the Aristocats is that I think the money's been left not specifically to the cat so they can go out and just be like, right, let's get whiskers, <laughs> you know, let's get the good stuff that she would never buy us. But I think it's le- the way that is that Edgar, the money's going to be left, but Edgar has to take care of them. And then once they go, because this is the thing, I was watching it last night, kind of going like, it's great and all, he's trying to bump the cats off. But he still then surely got to wait until the woman then passes away yeah. as well. So like, it's not like, it just seems like the worst scheme ever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Because he's, he's, he's going to bump the cats off. And then what happens if before she dies, she gets new cats and she gets attached to them? It, it just doesn't seem like a very oh, well, God, right well thought out scheme. Because it's, it's like Edgar, he's probably one of the least villainous villains mm-hmm. within Disney's back catalogue, which kind of arcs back to what Harriet was saying about that it's not uh, a terrifying experience. If we're a first-time viewer, I think you could easily set a younger viewer down to the aristocrats. No, I keep saying the aristocrats. <laughs> uh, you could easily set a younger viewer down to the aristocrats. Quite yeah, like It's not Bambi or the Lion King. Like That's no. quite traumatising. Like Even now, I mean, I actually watched the, you know, the, 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 the remake of The Lion King recently and I cried and I cried and like that, like I'm 29 and I sat and cried and I knew what was coming. Whereas with the Aristocats, you're kind of like, Edgar is just a bit sort of, I think he's a bit sort of half-assed. Like he just sort of like, they kind of fall off the back of his bike and he's like, oh, well, and then thinks that's, that's yeah. sorted. He doesn't really follow, like follow the plan through. I just no. feel like he's a bit dopey more than anything. Like, he's, oh, not, con- he's not conniving. He's not yeah. fierce. He's not scary. He's just kind of... He's a bit of a dick, is what we're saying. Yeah. He's a bit of a dick. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, I'm not, I'm not, not that I'm going to say it, like, but, I mean, if you're going to bump cats off, just be like, there you go, and I'll knock out. Boom, bag. 
into the water, gone. Not that I would ever do such a thing because I love cats. I love our cat. I love my cat, Tigger. I would never do that, even though he is uh, a complete schizophrenic. One minute he loves me, and the next minute he just wants to maul me, uh, which he did uh, two days ago. Just came over to get some love and then decided to maul me at the same time. Cats are weird. Cats aren't like dogs where you can't, you don't, I wouldn't trust myself with a cat. You know, I wouldn't trust myself, you know, in a life or death situation, a cat's going to let you down. A dog might just sit there and want to get stroked and not be much help, but a cat would scheme and connive against you at any opportunity. So we went off on a bit of a weird tangent there. Victoria, coming back to you, just on that note about what I was talking to Harriet there, about the fact that this is the start of a period for Disney where they weren't really looking at, you know, traditional fairy tales. You know, is this something that, that is specific to this dark era for Disney? Or is it just, I think, I think that was the case that the writers, I think, wanted to do more than just traditional fairy tales. You know, is this something that you see throughout this period? Yeah, pretty much. Like the Silver Age was, most of the Silver Age, people knew the stories. Like everybody knows Cinderella. Everybody knows Alice in Wonderland. But like you said, Harry, we didn't know that the Aristocats was based on a true story. This would have been a completely new story to most of the audience. Same with Robin Hood. Like unless you're English and even then you don't really know that much about him. Like a lot of these ones were brand new, which I really liked. Yeah. And I'm glad they decided to go down like a completely original route. But because they had so cemented doing like adaptations of other things, maybe that's why he didn't do as well. Because yeah. audiences were like, oh, what's this? I don't know this. I don't like was this. The, would have been the last fairy tale, if you want to call it that, would have been the Sword of the Stone that they had done. Yeah, because uh, the Jungle Book's not really a fairy tale, is it? No, because I know with, you know, talking to Harriet, talking about getting scared and stuff and getting crying, I've said in the previous podcast, I did cry when I was younger at the Sword and Stone. Uh, I cried a lot at the <laughs> Sword and Stone. Victoria, you may or may not. Do you all remember? We discussed this very vividly. I, I have a very vivid memory of discussing this, but I know that Harriet hasn't heard me. And for any of the listeners who haven't heard this discussion, there is a sequence in The Sword and the Stone where they get turned into, I think it's either chipmunks or... With squirrels. Squirrels. And there is a scene where a female squirrel falls in love oh, yeah. with the little with uh, our central hero. And uh, she just can't understand when he turns back into a boy. And I remember when I was very young, I got very upset and Aww. cried. Oh, Jim, that, that is really, really sad. Because her, her wee face is just, and she doesn't understand. No. I've never seen this. I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh, oh Harry, you have God, to see it. I'm going to have to try and, try and look this up. I've, I've really never heard of it. It's, really? it's it's sitting just before The Jungle Book. I think, I think it was released yeah, just before The Jungle Book. Yeah, it's one of the more obscure ones. Yeah. Uh, 63. Yeah. yeah, it's it's not a massive hit, but it's one of the early, the early, early Disney films. My mother, you know, I was going to say God rest her, but my mother's not gone. My mother's alive. <laughs> you know, mother's going to feel terribly. Her but, ears you know, are burning somewhere. Yeah, I know. My mother's like, oh, he's wishing me evils again. But my mother <laughs> raised me on Disney, right? And I'm sure all of you are the same, and I'm sure there's listeners that, uh, well, maybe not the younguns. But I had stacks upon stacks of Disney VHSs because my mm-hmm. my mother just bought them, and where they came out, there was the likes of uh, Mulan. I remember I remember having Mulan on on VHS. I remember having the Sword of the Stone. I remember having the Jungle Book. All of them, and I think they're up in our attic now. But the Sword and the Stone was the one that I remember 
And uh, it's again, it's quite short because you look at this like it's seventy nine minutes, about an hour and twenty minutes. It's 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 quite short. I suppose when you have to look at the limitations of animation, Sword and Stone is another. It's quite short, but uh, yeah, Harriet, bring tissues. And if you don't cry, if you watch it and you don't cry, you have to either you tell me or let Connor let me know that you didn't cry. And if you didn't cry, <laughs> I I will judge you. Because... Oh, I cried. <laughs> so don't worry. I mean, I still cry. cry. I cry. I genuinely, I would cry to TV advert. Like everything makes me cry. So don't worry. <laughs> I'm sure I'll cry. Do you know what? Right, this is going off on a tangent. It's been out for a while, but do you know what? Ad really tugs in my heartstrings right now to the point where I don't know if either of you have this, or maybe it's just a gym thing, or I don't know dare I say this a man thing but you know when you're like overtired and you haven't slept well and you find I find myself getting much more emotional in those periods mm -hmm. but about mm -hmm. two three weeks ago I couldn't I hadn't slept well the night before and then could I couldn't sleep I don't know why probably overtired or whatever it was and I was sitting watching late night tv probably family guy whatever it was ITV2 and if any of you seen I think it's the well we'll go full northern Irish Renault but the Reynolds ad at the minute about no. the the story of the and it's the two the two childhood friends, and then as they grow up, they're the two girls, and then they they kiss, and then I think one of them's then get they kiss each other, and then they're frowned upon. One gets sent away, and she gets married, and then they split up. In the very end, they get to be, they get back together again, at the very oh. end, and I was like, I properly had a full on like. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. No, I haven't. no, I haven't seen it either. All right, okay, okay. What what ad, Victoria, beyond John Lewis, makes you cry? Saving us, I can't even think because we haven't had like a proper TV in our house since we moved in because we didn't have like an aerial or anything. So we just plugged my laptop into the TV to watch stuff. Okay. So I can't even. I can't even think of an advert off the top of my head. Unless, but, unless you want to go for those horrible car crash adverts, they always make me cry. Oh, oh God, no. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. See, they don't have an effect. They don't make me cry. They're just like, oh, this makes me sad. They don't make me cry. It just makes me go, I just feel really sad now. I want to watch the Muppets and I'm not going <laughs> to drink and drive. But no, an ad that pulls my heart, like we think of like the John Lewis. Oh, John Lewis are just the king of ads mm -hmm. that just want to make you cry. Although the last few haven't been great. I think the last one that made me cry, what was it? The, the On the Moon with the Lily Allen? No, the one with Lily Allen doing the, the song too. About, is it the rabbit or the bear that is hibernating? Yeah. yeah. Then they, did, they did one. They did one with the moon because it's quite loneliness or something. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know who sang that. But there's this one advert, and I I haven't seen it in a couple of years, thank God. But every time I watched, it, I cried, and it was like, I think it was like uh, optimal, you know, like the like powdered milk for babies. Okay. <laughs> like, all this is, sounds ridiculous, but it was like the dad had like his welly boots, and then the baby had its welly boots beside it. And every time I'd see those welly boots, I cried, and I was like. Why? Like, why am I crying over this advert? But yeah. Are we not. talking, Harriet, just one beautiful single tear, or are we talking a, a an ugly crier moment? Yeah, oh, ugly crier. Yeah, shocking. Mm. But I, I do. I cry over everything. Actually, my dad cried. Have you ever seen a United Kingdom? Yeah. No. My dad. So we we were in London seeing this, and I I don't even know what um cinema. And my like my dad is. Um, he's from London. He's got like very sort of you know stiff upper lip. You'd never let him. He'd never cry at anything. Are you, saying your, are you saying, Harriet, your father is Mr. Banks type from uh, oh, yeah. Mary Poppins? Yeah, Mary Poppins, yeah. <laughs> but like I've only ever seen him cry once at um, Britain's Got Talent, and I did get him, and he really, he really did cry. 
we were watching this scene at the I'm end. I'm sorry, of the- Harry, he's lost all love. You know, if you're crying at Britain, I know. Gone, you know. I, <laughs> I couldn't get over it either. But there was my dad, like sitting beside me in the cinema. And it was an emotional moment in the movie. I looked over and my dad was crying that much. His glasses had steamed up. Oh. And I looked at it and I laughed. And I was like, what, what are you crying at? And he went, it's just awful. And I was like, oh my God. So yeah, so that's whenever I think of crying, I'm like, at least I've never cried as much as my dad in that movie at that moment in the middle of a cinema. When all your dad really needed height was a hug. I know, yeah. I think you should just, after this podcast, you should just phone him and just be like, remember that time in London? <laughs> you know, it was all right, dad. So sorry, and then if that then becomes an advert for John Lewis, I'm taking all copyright for it because I could see that working. <laughs> I could see that working. Uh, yeah. Victoria, your dad, have you ever seen him crying at anything? I don't know why this went down that kind of weird tangent. Or anything. <laughs> the weird tangent. Yeah, I love the fact that you know Victoria's curated this wonderful podcast theme. She did a podcast that was very serious, <laughs> and you know she's let me loose on it, and I've just been like, yeah, okay. And I even said to her, you know, Victoria. Feel free, if you want to host this, this can be your baby. But she's like, no, 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 Jim, we need you. You need me to go on tangents about, Victoria, when's the last time you've seen your dad cry? I like your tangents. Um, My dad does not cry, ever. He is a very, like, grew up in a council estate lad who had three brothers. Um, no, Nothing really gets him. The, the only time I've ever seen him cry was when my granddad passed. And even then, they weren't that close, so it was kind of weird. Which is an awful thing to say, but no, my my dad doesn't cry. <laughs> right, you should maybe, just can't... maybe people on like Britain's Got Talent. He might cry. See, he would not watch it on principle. <laughs> <laughs> so he would, yeah, he would sit yeah. in the other room and watch like still game or something or yeah. football. <laughs> so are you saying, Harry? Like, are you, is your dad the type of person? You know, like the X Factor just designs to manipulate everybody on emotional response from an emotional response from. So it's like, oh, here's the sad story. Is are you telling us now on this podcast that your dad is one of those people that is just a little bit susceptible to those type of things? Yeah, and like I never realized. So actually, I've got to tell you something else, and it's it is ridiculous. It's, this is completely off subject now. But my dad, he is retired now, but he was uh, like a minister in the Church of Ireland. Okay. And at Christmas, he used to write these sermons that um, they were completely different from every other time of the year. And one time he made himself cry with his own made-up story. Oh, my God. Oh. And he was like in the pulpit, microphone on, like, you name it. Everyone's sitting like Christmas Day, you know, everyone's like, oh, this is like the main sort of attraction of the, of the year, you know. There's my dad talking about little Johnny and something awful like that he misplaced his toy or something something completely stupid my dad started like cough and I went oh my god I think he's starting to cry and he like just kept coughing he's like, I'm so sorry and drank his water and he was like really clearing his throat and then he got his hanky out and wiped his eye and I went oh my god he's crying as like he's actually crying in church at a made-up story that's hilarious. <laughs> at least, I mean, like, you might cry at stupid things, but at least you're not a man that's cried over a made-up story in front of people in a church. I think there's something beautiful about that. I think that he was just I so like invested. I think he was just so invested in the stories that he'd created. Either that, or he has led a double life, Harriet, that you've never known about, and that he was actually recalling a story that he didn't, in fact, make up. Just to kind of go there. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Um, I'm kind of perplexed how we get back to the aristocrats from this kind of thing. But, you know, don't worry, Harriet, this is kind of what we normally do in this podcast. So you're in good company. You know, you're making your debut. You're going off on tangents. It's like you've listened to Banderflicks 
all, <laughs> all my life. But, I think but, I know how we can get back on track here. Okay. One thing I really like about Thomas is when he finds out the Duchess has three kids, he doesn't like go, oh, fuck, and changes his mind. Like, he mm. loves the kids and he wants to make an effort with the kids. And I find that so refreshing because it's like, it's such a cliched, cliched joke for a guy to meet someone and be like, oh, she's, she's got three kids. Mm. Need to go out of there. But he, he was that, great with the kids and I really liked that. That is true. Yeah, there is that moment where he's a bit like, it's like one, two, <laughs> <Yes>. three, <laughs> four. But, you know, he's, I think the only time where we do see that, like, kind of like maybe that Thomas might get out of here situation is right at the end when he's getting the photographs taken and they're like, there's always room for a few more kittens. And you're like, Jesus, she's already got four. I know, come on. <laughs> <Is that enough? laughs> you know, Duchess, Duchess clearly, I don't think there's much of the Duchess about her. I think she's, she likes it <laughs> as the best way I can put it in a clean way. She clearly likes it and she's not going to get sped. And I just uh, watching it last night. I was like, "Oh yeah, I forgot about Thomas's wee. He's in the isn't he in a wee suit? They have him yeah. dressed in a wee suit. Yeah, and you're just like, oh. And he's like, yeah, we gotta have more kittens. And you're like, yeah, see, Edgar, this is why you didn't think this plan through because you know she's gonna get more cats. You clearly need to bump the old lady off. You need to bump the cats off, then the old lady. Then mm-hmm. you're gonna get the dollars for some reason, even though it's set in Paris. <laughs> but um. Yeah, it it just not you know Edgar. I think as I said earlier on, do we? I know we kind of talk touching this. He's not the the best of villains. How do we rate him in terms of you know like what are the worst villains, Victoria and Harriet, than than Edgar that we can think of in okay, the Disney in the Disney in the Disney kind of back catalog? Worse as in like really really bad evil, or worse as in just just bad terrible and not good. Just, <laughs> just terrible because I don't think I genuinely don't think um, Edgar is. A terrifying villain. No, not at, at all. At all, he's a bit of a bungling kind of. As I said, he's a bit of a dick as a as a villain. He's not the best butler either. Let's be honest as well. No, he's not. <laughs> he's he's a pretty terrible butler. Let's let's get straight down to that as well, you know. But but say no more about that. But I can't think of any of like when you're looking at villains. I think he's sitting up there in terms of his menace factor. He's definitely yeah. There's. I'm trying to think, is there anybody else you can think of that just lacks as much menace as Edgar does? Uh, well, I don't uh, even think. I, no, I, like, I'm looking through my list of Disney films right now and every one of them has got a decent villain, so it's... God, I think he must be the worst. Yeah. Like, even Home, even Home in the Range, where it's got that weird yodeling cardboard, even he's scary. I haven't so, yeah, seen... I, think Edgar's... I haven't seen... I haven't seen Home on the Range. <laughs> That's really fun. It's so bad. Is I'm gonna have to just watch it more Disney now. This this oh, is kind of, I love it like so Home much. On the, Home on the Range is kind of like isn't that kind of around the time of like stuff like Atlantis and stuff kind of in terms yeah. of Yeah. <laughs> See, I like oh God, Atlantis. It is so so bad. I love Atlantis. Same. I love Atlanta. That's probably, you know, other than like The Princess and the Frog, one of the last like animated Disney films at the time on their mm-hmm. release, I actually saw in the cinema. Just like, kind of quick on that question. I know I've probably asked you this before, Victoria, but what's the last Disney film, kind of animated Disney film, you remember going to see in the cinema? Would you like, Harry, would you went to, Harry, would you went to see them in the cinema when you were younger or was it just a case of watching them at home on VHS or DVD? I think we just watched them at home. I don't remember ever going to see 
any films like that in the cinema. Was that because really your was that because your dad was ready to make cry? <laughs> Possibly, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I just I feel like I just remember watching everything on tape. Like I feel like I was just such a nineties baby, so I think we just watched everything on VHS. Mm. I'm the but same. You... I can't think of anything. The lot I do really vividly remember seeing the Jungle Book two, and only I only remember because my dad came with us, and he never came with us to the cinema. So that sticks out in my head, but I don't think I've seen like any of the, like the main ones. Was the Jungle Book two not straight to DVD? No, was it one of the no. kind of bargain basement Disney? I think there's a whole podcast series about the bargain basement Disney oh, TV, <laughs> like Aladdin two, The Return of Jafar. You know, oh, that's, that's not good. No, it's it's not I very good. There was a Jungle Book two and Aladdin two. Well, there's an Aladdin three, which is actually mm-hmm. very very good. <laughs> there's also you mean, you mean Aladdin's dad. Yeah, there's also Mulan too, which we discussed, which is a pretty yeah. terrible sequel. Um, this this is the this is the era, Harriet, of the the straight to DVD Disney TV Disney, and the animation quality is not great. Yeah. You know, we're kind of criticising the animation quality here for the likes of the Aristocrats compared to what has been and gone. I still think, though, I mean, I I still think I watching this if I was a 2020 kid. I actually think I would probably watch The Aristocrats and find The Aristocrats easier to watch than, say, even, dare I say it, like Sleeping Beauty or Lady and the Tramp. I just think mm-hmm. there's a timeless quality to both, but I think as a viewer, I think The Aristocrats doesn't look as dated as... I, I was surprised that when I saw it was 1970, to be honest. I actually thought it was a lot earlier. Mm-hmm. I thought really? The Aristocrats... I, I, I suppose when you... When you watch stuff when you're younger on VHS, you just kind of think that it's all released all around the same time. It's only when you sit back as an older adult, you look at things in chronological order. Like, I'm surprised looking at it, like Lady in the Tramp's 55? Was it 50? It's definitely 50s. Um, I was surprised see. that there's such a difference between like Lady in the Tramp and, and the Aristocrats yeah. in terms of the timeline. But when you look at the two of them, you can see there's a real difference in the animation. And I do think the Aristocrats... Mm-hmm. Was I don't maybe like the quality of the animation. I think overall, I think it looks much better for for newer viewers. I think it's a lot more fun. Lady and the Tramp's very like it's very artistic and very serious. The Aristocrats, you just have a good time throughout the whole thing. Yeah. And like you said, there's no scary bits like the bit in Lady and the Tramp with the rat that used to give me nightmares. Yeah. And the rat comes into the baby's room that used to really freak me out. But there's nothing like the scariest thing in the Aristocrats is probably when the train comes over the tracks and they have to hide underneath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But even then, everything's fine once they rescue Marie from the river, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, we haven't really met... I do love the two characters, the, the two the two geese that show up, the two, <laughs> British, the two British geese. I love those two characters. I, I love They're so kind of, good. Is it like Ab- 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 Abigail and Abigail Amelia? Abigail and Amelia. Yeah. And Abigail Gabble, and this is Amelia Gabble, with twin sisters. <laughs> mm-hmm. Think, isn't it, and isn't it Think Goose? Think Goose when they have to walk and they have to, I, like, I'm not going to yes. lie. Look, here's the thing. I made the comment when I watched this last night with my lovely wife. I was like going, it's all getting a bit 12th of July in this episode. <laughs> whenever they're starting to kind of show them how to march and you're like, well, <sighs> you wouldn't, if they were from Northern Ireland, if they were Northern Irish aristocrats, they wouldn't need any knowledge. They'd know, right, this is how we march. This is our traditional route. That's, you know, enough Northern Irish banter in this pod. 
But uh, <laughs> I just was like, I turned to my wife and said, it's getting a wee bit, you know, 12th of July here. I hope they've been in and spoke to the Parades Commission about this march to Paris. <laughs> That's all I can say. But uh, no, I love those characters. And I was, I'm like, I'm going to say like about 60% certain. Do they pop up in other Disney films? Or have I completely misremembered? I, I feel like they look very familiar. They might have recycled the animation and used them yeah. somewhere else because they, they do look really familiar and it's definitely, like, I know them from something else. There's no way yeah. I, I only know them from that. Yeah, and the one thing, we're like, we're talking there about, you know, straight-to-DVD sequels. To my knowledge, I don't think we've ever had a sequel. I think there was talks over some time of a sequel to The Aristocrats. The, the Aristocats. There was mm-hmm. going to be some time there was going to be a sequel to The Aristocats, but I don't think, mm-hmm. unless I'm wrong, Victor, I don't think one ever surfaced. No, I'm looking at my list now. The only one that had, because I know Winnie the Pooh, there's a lot of other shorts and other versions, but they're not really sequels. The only one out of this era that had a sequel was The Rescuers, with The Rescuers Down Under in the 90s. Rescuers Down Under. (laughs) Respect. (laughs) Which I absolutely adore, even if The Rescuers Down Under isn't great when I rewatched it, because when we were under lockdown, as we all remember, you know, Boris Johnson had the decency to put us all under lockdown the day that mm-hmm. Disney Plus, I think it was the night before Disney Plus launched. Yep. So I would <laughs> say quite a few households signed up to Disney Plus on the first day of lockdown. And it was stuff like that. I find myself revisiting and stuff like Blackbeard's Ghost because I love all the kind of mm-hmm. classic live action Disney from back in the day. Like it's weird when we think of Kurt Russell, we think of him yes. a a gritty, hardcore action star. He was a very much a, a Disney, you know, I think, I don't know if he was a child star with Disney. I know he was a child he, actor. He might have, was he like teens, like preteen, like 12? Teens. I know, I know he was a child star because I know there's a scene with him, I think, in a film. I think he acted alongside Elvis, I think, when he was very younger. Oh. But I think it was John Carpenter from Vivid Memory took him away from those kind of, the, the live action Disney movies that we mm-hmm. saw and kind of took him away and, and turned him into the likes of Snake Plissken in Escape from New York. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I mean, I love, I could happily do a podcast series on the live action Disney movies from that period, particular Blackbeard's Ghost, because I absolutely adore that mm-hmm. film uh, and stuff like That Darn Cat. And uh, yeah, yeah, I could happily do it. But we're not, we're doing it about the anime. <laughs> Victoria, we have to do all the things that Victoria wants to do. I, I get a sense that, we are getting a little bit rambly. We are getting a little bit off topic. So, Victoria, if you want to steer us back onto topic, or do you want to maybe start to bring things to a conclusion, kind of say, like, where you feel this ranks in terms of this period of Disney, in terms of where it's standing within the, the series of films released? And I had the terminology, I think it was the Bronze Age, but you're calling it the Dark Age. Yeah, there's a there's a bit of a dispute. Like some people say a Bronze Age and then a Dark Age, but some mm-hmm. people can have them like all in one, mm-hmm. which I would because I I just think it's easier personally. But no, I think this is this is strong. Like it's it's a cute story. It's fun. The apart from the the racist bits, mm-hmm. the animation's very fun. And that like everybody wants to be a cat. It's it's iconic and it's just it's so fun. Do you not find it a bit weird in that? part of the film where the horse starts singing about how she wants to be a cat. <laughs> I've never thought about that. No, me neither. 
because the horse comes in and she break and she breaks and it's right at the end and she's like right I'm going to start singing and you kind of think at one point she's going to say oh she's going to say horse she's going to say horse and that's going to be a nice little joke but she's like no she's a horse that dreams of being a cat and I have nothing wrong you know dream dare to dream. <laughs> If, if, that, if that cat, I'm sorry, if that horse identifies as a cat, I have absolutely no problem. And in 2020, we should definitely allow that. But it's just weird. And like, does does the mouse say it as well? Because he's probably like my favourite character. Like, that. Is he, what's he called? Oh, he's Rock, so cute. Rock, what's Rock, he called? Oh my that? god, I've written down somewhere. Rockford, Rock, Rock, Rock yes, that's it. Um, I think he's hilarious, and I actually think he's such an underrated character. And. <laughs> I, I just love him. Like, he is just adorable. One like, of my favourite moments is when they're going after, when Edgar's going out, when he realises the cat's, like, his hat is in, at, like, the crime scene. He has to go out and retrieve it. And Rockford goes with him and he has his little coat and his wee glasses and he's sitting in, like, the back of the motorcycle. <laughs> it's just so cute. Do you know what, though? I just think he's so cute. Like, he's like a wee Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The only thing that freaks me out about him, right? I have no problem with the fact that we've got a house with four cats well, more five cats when you think about it, and six cats by the end, and they're allowing mice. You know, okay, I have no problem. All right, okay, I have no problem with that because we know from like the likes of uh, Sleeping Beauty and stuff that mice aren't that bad. But do you know what freaks me out? It's when the bit where they're drinking all the milk, and they, <laughs> they're drinking <laughs> Edgar's milk, and he's like, oh, "I'm just going to go get another cracker." Where the fuck <laughs> is he getting all these crackers from? Is it is he going to the kitchen to get them? Or has he a stockpile of crackers and stuff in the world? You see, this is the thing, right, Victoria? You overthink this. This is how my mind works. Now, when I watch Disney films as an adult, this Mm -hmm. is the type of stuff I think. Like, why does the horse sing that she wants to be that? Why are the geese... Don't forget, the geese show up here as well. The geese show up. And they also kind of... I think if I'm right, the geese sing about wanting to be cats as well. Probably. You know, so what? Like, what's mm. wrong if you're a, if you're a goose? What's wrong with being a goose? You know, just be happy with what you are. Don't try to be a, don't be something you're not. Exactly. I know. I don't get it either. Yeah. But you know, Harriet. You know, looking. But I know you're kind of saying there's more Disney films you have to see. Definitely watch Short and Stone. Have some tissues. And if you don't cry at that that scene I mentioned earlier on, you're dead inside. Mm-hmm. But where would you rank? When we look at the kind of bronze era, we kind of see the likes of the rescuers. Like, well, do you want to name the films? Because this will be films that we will be coming back to look at again, Victoria. So we've got the likes of, you can add in, so we've got the likes of Robin Hood, which comes after Mm -hmm, this. Which is our next one. Uh, Then we've got Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. And the rescuers. Uh, Are we including... Fox and Hound, Basil the Great Detective. Are we including that in this era? In this era? era? Yes, we are. Okay. Uh, what else? The Black Cauldron. Which I've never and... seen. Never even heard of it. Oh, it, it's, it's so bad. It's really bad. It's like Welsh mythology. And it was like, it was the first Disney animated film that was PG. Mm. And it, it done really, really bad. And it lo- again, it lost them a lot of money. Um, what else do we have? Oliver and Company. See, if you want to get me crying easily. Do you know what? Have you seen Oliver and Company, Harriet? No. Oh, it's... Oh, there's, it opens with like a box of kittens in New York and people are walking past and they're taking the kittens home. And then there's one little cat left and his, his name's Oliver and he's just like, he's looking up at all these people and he's like, he's wondering why no one's picking him. And then it's just, it's so sad. It gets me every time. Victoria, Victoria, can I ask? Because neither Harriet, <laughs> neither Harriet nor I can see you right now. But can I ask just with you talking about that one scene, have you already started to cry now? A little bit. It's just, 
oh, he's just so cute and he doesn't understand why nobody wants him and it's just so sad. Oh no, no, I know. I see, I want to watch a film that makes me feel happy and I feel like I'll it. This does that. make you feel happy after that, I promise. No, no. Okay. Oh, no. From the films we mentioned there, how many of those would you know from this era? I genuinely think I've heard like Robin Hood and like Winnie the Pooh and that's it. Like I really I, not like, even the rescuers. No, that's I've I've really I feel like I'm so sheltered. I feel like I really I think just Jim's just died inside. Oh no, I'm sorry. He's <laughs> <laughs> horrified. But no, I I don't know. Like I suppose I probably just I've seen all like you know the like Fantasy, you know like the really really old ones. Like I feel like mm-hmm. I've seen loads of them, and then like obviously the ones you see whenever you're younger you know like the lion king and stuff like that but i, I feel like yeah, i'm gonna there's so many i'm gonna ha- obviously have to to um put on my list but there mm. are a lot of films i have like i hadn't seen jaws till i was 21 it's okay like, we, we, we were discuss- we were discussing this recently we were discussing jaws we went off on a weird tangent when we were discussing jaws but um, <laughs> yeah we, we went pretty weird with jaws but you know that i know our guest i can't remember um who we had on i know it was david cbg campbell um his partner who we had on with him on that podcast i know she hadn't seen jaws either i i don't judge people that haven't watched stuff i would say this you know i would say this podcast series is a nice gateway drug into mm-hmm. wanting to explore because that's what this is aimed at looking at films within this era that you might want to then seek out and explore um i know is it is it robin hood we're going to be talking about next victoria yes very excited for that one yeah because uh uh i think everybody i had a bit of a crush on Maid Marian, which is pretty weird. <laughs> no, I fancied Robin Hood, so... Yeah, Fox. Yeah. Oh, and I, if we're talking about who we fancy, it's okay. Then I think I fancy Thomas O'Malley a wee bit. Hang on, Harriet. You've let us get through, and you've dished the dirt <laughs> on your... Like an R. You, we, you've dished the dirt on your father for crying at his own story. Oh. That's, I don't know if that's worse than, like, when people judge a comedian who laugh at their own jokes, right? But... <laughs> You're, you've dished the dirt in your father, and now as we begin to wrap up, you now drop this bombshell that when you were younger, you were watching that going, you know, Thomas O'Malley? He's a bit all right. You know, because we, it's, it's weird when you're, kid, when you're a kid, you don't think like that. You don't think, oh, that's a cat. You just yeah. go, you know, I, I have a crush. Because I, I probably did have a bit of a crush on Maid Marian, even though she was a fox. Well, I also now, like, so my, in, like, whenever I was younger, my second ever crush was um, David Bowie in Labyrinth. Right. Ah. I, I had the picture book, and I would, like, obsess over this picture book, like, and I, like, I'm honestly, like, adored him, like, and whenever he died, it was just, like, heartbreaking. Oh. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, no, if we're talking about, like, weird crushes, so obviously I have a crush <laughs> on I fancy David Bowie, so there you go. Well, let's be honest, him. right? Of those two, I think Thomas O'Malley is a weird one because he is a cat. Yeah. David, David, Bowie, David Bowie, I can completely get. He's a sexy guy. He was oh. being pretty sexy in Labyrinth. Let's not lie about that. But, you know, I don't know if I want to pull on that thread in this late on this podcast. <laughs> no, I, wouldn't. I really wouldn't. I wouldn't open up that can of worms. Like, I no. really would. But yeah, I've still, like, even now, I've still got the picture book and everything, got the DVD. It's just, oh my god, it's brilliant. Like, it's fabulous. Oh, I could just do a podcast on that instead. Do, do you have a picture of Thomas O'Malley in your, like, I don't know, I was going to say wallet, but ladies don't carry wallets. <laughs> but just, you know, a, a picture on of Thomas O'Malley. So I'm just going to go, uh, what could have been? What could have been? She will after this. I will. I'll have to, I'll have, to, Harry, have, have you ever seen the second Lion King film? No. 
oh my god scar has a kid and oh my oh, god he's gorgeous yes <laughs> COVID is very attractive <laughs> you'll um, have to go watch all these now this very is, right now this oh, podcast is listening because get- we both fancy <laughs> <laughs> this 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 podcast is getting weird oh, this is getting weird um you know, I, I think maybe going back to Sword and Stone, maybe I fancied that female squirrel. I don't know. Maybe that's why I got so heartbroken that she had her heart broken. I wasn't there to give her a cuddle. But, oh, you know, kids are not your type. <laughs> yeah, ki- kids are weird. That's all I can say. So, look, I think we I think we should bring this podcast because it's getting weird. I think we should bring this podcast recording to a close. Victoria, any clues and comments about the Aristocats just before we go and just give us a taste of Robin Hood of what we can expect in the next episode in this series that will hopefully not venture into such weird territories as our crushes on animated animal characters. <laughs> well, I wouldn't speak too soon because when I first started preparing for this mini series, I asked people on my Instagram, like, were they familiar with these films? What were their favorites? And there was a lovely guy whose name I can't remember. Uh, I hope he's listening. He talked about how much he loved Robin Hood, and I went on to his page, and he's a bit of a furry. He oh, no. much likes foxes. <laughs> oh. So we might we might go into a very specific territory of Robin Hood later on. Um, did Can I just ask, did you get any <laughs> comments specifically about the Aristocats? Um, I did. There was a couple of general ones. Um, my friend Neve said, for her, this is like classic Disney, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom loves this film. Like She would watch it constantly um a girl my mom works with this you like this harriet because it's about rockford when he comes out with the milk and the cracker uh-huh. suzanne said that her and her brother used to wait for that bit and they would get a packet of his mini cheddars and a glass of milk and they would do they would dunk the mini cheddars yeah. and eat it like alongside the mice. which i thought was hilarious because me and my sisters if my mom was making spaghetti we would put uh-huh. it in the tampon so we could eat our dinner <laughs> <laughs> you're living in the moment can i just ask you did you then kind of get to the last meatball and then like did you or or she nudge the meatball over to each other no no we were a family of three sisters like if you tried to eat off the other one's plate you would not last very long so there's three sisters right so two <laughs> sisters were in the nut was the other sister just like oh god they're doing it again they're doing the lady in the tramp <laughs> thing again yeah, pretty much. Mm. <laughs> oh, poor Charlotte had to go through a lot. There, okay. There's a line at the start of the Aristocats where the three kittens are all trying to get through the kitty door at the same mm-hmm. time. And Marie says something about being a lady. And one of the, the brother cats goes, you're not a lady, you're just a sister. Mm. <laughs> and I can't wait to use that on my sisters. I want to see if they get the reference. Okay, yeah, it's all um, good. So so that's kind of your comments on the Aristocats. You know, what are we going to expect from Robin Hood in the next episode in this Disney retrospective? Robin, Robin Hood's a lot of fun as well. Um, I, I think a, a defining feature of this era is that there are there is romance in the films, but it's not the main crux of the plot, unlike the films that came before it. So like you said, we've got Maid Marian and Robin, but that's not the main story. Mm. Robin Hood's got a lot of great music. There's, it's very, very funny if you haven't seen it. And there's a very, very sad bit where a little boy gets his his coin taken off him by the mean sheriff. And if you don't cry at that, you're dead inside. I have a definite memory of us discussing this 
And I remembered that memory, Victoria, unlike you, you had completely forgotten my trauma of the sword and the stone. Harriet, we, <laughs> Harriet, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up, but I think just before we do, as the Aristocats super fan, what are your closing remarks on on what you think of the film and just why? I know I'm kind of going over what we've already discussed, but for anyone listening who maybe hasn't seen it and after listening to this. They're like, should we watch this? You know, Thomas O'Malley sounds like a bit of a dreamboat. Maybe give this a view. And what's your closing comments to say to them? This is what this is why you should watch the Aristocrats. I just think if you want to watch a film that you know isn't too um, isn't too scary, isn't too upsetting, then I think it's the film to watch. Like you can sort of put it on the background. You don't have to concentrate too much on it, and it's got some really good characters and like the I mean like even like you know like a scat cat mm-hmm. you know I just think like that whole scene with all of them's brilliant and then the dogs like Lafayette and everything I just think if you want to watch a film that's sort of a bit of fun and isn't too upsetting to watch then I think it's the film to definitely like give a go and obviously if you fancy Thomas O'Malley that's obviously a you know a bonus <laughs> or the Duchess depending on your preference See, I never find the Duchess hot. I never find the Duchess hot. I don't know why. I think... She's a bit too posh for me. Yeah. I, I, like, I like a bit of rough. That's all I can say. You know, say not. <laughs> hopefully my wife will never hear just that comment. Say, oh, Amber heard but, you. Um, you know, no, the, the Duchess is just too posh for me. But uh, yeah. the less said about that, the better. So, look, I think that's the perfect time then to bring this podcast to a close. Thank you very much, Harriet. Thank you. Thank you very much, Victoria. And uh, we will be talking about Robin Hood next month. And I look forward to that podcast. So that brings this episode to a close. All that's left for me to do now is once again, thank both Harriet and Victoria for taking part. Thank you for listening, dear listener. If you've enjoyed what you've been listening to, then don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and fix to make sure you never miss a single episode you can find our complete back catalogue on our website once there you might want to check out our patreon page where you can see that in exchange for your financial support we can offer you some merch to show our appreciation but if you're not quite ready to financially support the show the best thing you could do and it costs you absolutely nothing is to leave us a lovely review once again wherever you get your podcast and fix to help us attract new listeners to the show and if you would do that that would really be appreciated on my behalf i have been your host jim mclean i'm the editor-in-chief of the bandaflix movie review website and we'll be back with another episode of we need to talk about movies next week goodbye This has been We Need to Talk About Movies. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit banterflix.com. See you next time. <laughs>